Assalamu alaikum and good morning to you. If you are listening to me in the afternoon hours, good afternoon to you. If you are listening to me in the evening hours, good evening to you. And if you have allowed me the privilege to speak to your being before you lay your head to rest on tonight, good night to you. I want to speak from a subject and a topic that has been bothering me and bothering many people in America uh, since the day that it happened. I want to speak on the legend uh, Nipsey Hussle. I want to speak on Nipsey Hussle. I've had a lot of people message me, uh, whether it be DM, inbox, or even email me about my feelings on it, you know, what I thought about it, and how they were waiting to hear, you know, exactly what I was feeling. Um, many of you that do follow me on social media, uh, my Instagram, Muhammad underscore Shabazz7, uh, I've kind of been uh, putting bits and pieces of how I've been feeling about it in my story. And first off, I want to say that I think it's a major tragedy and beyond major tragedy at that because this man had so much life in him, you know, so much power, so much inspiration, so much joy, you know, so much peace. And not too many people can say that they are living a happy life. You know, again, most of the people that uh, are mourning him via social media and in the different states, they don't know him personally. Like even myself, I don't know him personally. But the energy and the vibe that he put out was precious and it was peaceful. And so when you look at the life that he gave to us that was given to us via the social media streams through his music. You see a man that literally put positive energy into this earth. Um, Nipsey Hussle, he's a family man, you know, had his wife, uh, his children. Like you never want to see a man that is providing for his family, that is doing everything to take care of his family, being taken from his family. And we all grow up, most of us, I'm not gonna say all, uh, we grow up in a household where many of us, our fathers have left the household. Or some of us, and I'll say in the so-called American Negro community, our mother and fathers, biological fathers are not together. And so we look at a situation here where, you know, he's with this, you know, young lady, Lauren London, uh, in a piece of a lobby with her, because I know she's in pain. And he's doing what we all perceive as what is right. We see what he's doing. This is the life that we're told that we're supposed to live. Um, do right by your family, do right by your woman, do right by your kids. And he's taken from us. He's taken from them. And so now they have to live, no matter who comes along, no matter who does what, they have to live the rest of their lives without their king. She has to live the rest of her life without her true husband. The kids have to live their lives without their true father. 
no matter who comes along. You know, uh, she's a young woman. She may get remarried. Um, and whether she's they're actually married, I don't know. Some people say wife, some people say girlfriend. Either way, he treated her as if that was his wife, his jewel. And so someone may come along, but for her, it would never be Nipsey. You know, and what could have been of his spirit and his life has been taken from us. I know for myself personally, I remember when I first got hip to his music, uh, it was it's ironic with me because I've always been a West Coast guy. Um, no matter, I'm from the South, I'm from Florida, um, and I've always, you know, Tupac, Tupac's been my guy, you know, ever since I can remember. I can remember the day when uh, I was watching the news at my aunt house when they were saying that he got shot. And I remember how bothered I was as a child, you know, and then to be in the type of situation that we are in now with what's going on now, it's, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair um, to his children, to his family, to his fans. Because, again, speaking on myself, we had a game... Uh, and my, my brother could attest to it. I was speaking to him about it. We had a game, um, a nationally televised game, which I knew was going to be one of the biggest games of my career overseas, uh, especially at this particular time. Um, and the first game, uh, we ended up losing, I believe. And um, I played decent. I didn't play the way that I'm capable of playing for whatever reason. I was in foul trouble, never really got into the game. Didn't have a rhythm, so I didn't really play much. I picked up uh, four early fouls. And um, so that was kind of bothering me. And then most people that, you know, uh, play overseas, you know how the chatter goes. You know, one bad game could be the end of everything. And uh, never being cut, never been in any situation like that. This was my first situation like that. And um, it kind of started bothering me because I knew the pressure of what I had to do. I knew I was capable of doing it uh, because I've done it over and over and over. Um, by this time, I believe I may be in like year nine or 10, I don't know. Um, so I wasn't questioning the ability and the gift, but during this time was towards the end where you everything is painful. So uh, you're kind of putting yourself physically in a situation where I have to make my body do something that, you know, it doesn't really feel like doing. And I remember calling my mom and I told my mom, you know, I never tell my mom to pray for me, <laughs> ever. You know, and I told my mom to pray for me. And um, of course, you know, she, you know, took it to the next level, like everything's okay. Which it was, uh, but that's just where my headspace was. And I was just trying to find a way to get my edge back, get my mind back on the game, get back to where I needed to be mentally. And uh, I remember going in the shower. We was in this nice place. We walked up and down the strip. This was during the period of uh, when they were saying ISIS was around. So we walk in the strip. We like, we don't see no ISIS because we were literally in the city that they say ISIS was literally at. And so, you know, we get through all that. I remember being in the restroom and I'm like, I got to find something. 
And I'm always, anytime I'm in a headspace, anytime I'm thinking about anything, I always run to Tupac. You know, Tupac is my my peaceful zone. No matter what type of music, I, I gotta hear it. Tupac sets me back where I need to be. But at this particular time, you know, I had done ran out of Tupac. You know, I had done listen, listen, listen until it wasn't really hitting me like it needed to. And then um, I ended up uh, coming across Nipsey. I always heard of Nipsey, but I didn't really listen to Nipsey. And I, I fell across Nipsey. And this Nipsey put some inspiration in me that I needed in that particular time. And on a nationally televised game, I did what I needed to do and basically, you know, set the tone back where it should have been. Um, I don't think we won the game, but I ended up having a great game on national t national television and, um, you know, made the city love me again. And since then, I've been a Nipsey guy. Um, uh, maybe a year after that or probably within that same uh, year, I remember... Um, I was watching a, a, a video of him and he was speaking on uh, owning your own stuff. You know, uh, how he had his, uh, he had his truck and he was showing his emblems of everything that he was about to create that we see now. And I remember saying to myself, man, this right here, I like this. And he started breaking down principles and different things. And I said, I want to do that. And so that's what inspired me to go into business. That's what inspired me to um, wear my stuff on my chest and put my stuff everywhere that I am. And he's the one that inspired me to, you know, be what I am today on a business level. Um, a lot of people compare him to Tupac and Tupac did a lot of things. I'm, a, I'm the biggest probably Tupac fan that I know. And Tupac, you know, he, did a lot of things with Joshua's dreams. There's a lot of things Tupac did in the community that people don't know about. I've seen a couple of people saying Tupac didn't do anything, but um, you know, the FBI had a 4,000 page document on Tupac, 4,000 plus page, 4,000 plus, yeah, on Tupac. And so uh, the comparisons, I get it. You know, a lot of the things that Tupac wanted to do, he did not get to live to see. Nipsey actually did it. You know, buying back the community, buying back the block, employing his people, you know, and within Tupac's situation, I think a lot of people and they're comparing the end similarly, whereas with Pac, I always tell people because for a long time and my sister used to pick at me about it, um, not to belittle anything with Tupac, but because of how infatuated I was, she would always say to me, you still think Tupac alive? You know, and uh, I did for a long time. I, it wasn't that I thought he was alive. I was hoping that he was still alive. And so when we look at the Nipsey hustle and they compare the Tupac ending and then we try they try to uh, make it a gang violence thing. Uh, and then they try to discredit what Pac did because of that one incident. You know, Pac was 25 years old. And I think that's what a lot of people uh, fail to realize. And as much as, as much greatness that was within him and that he did while he was here, he was still 25. And so he did something that uh, a lot of 25-year-olds do, uh, a knucklehead thing that ended up backfiring on him. And granted, whether, you know, and what people got to realize too, 
when we think about, you know, they call some people would say that Orlando agent Orlando Anderson was a pawn, and he was an agent. You know, why was he in the middle of the MGM? At the end of the day, it still happened. You know, a black man killed another black man. Um, it still happened, regardless of what we want to do. And what people don't factor in is Orlando has a family too. And just because Tupac was famous, we don't look at it the same way. Because before that, nobody was rambling on Orlando like that. And so it brings us to the Nipsey Hussle situation. It bothered me, and it bothers me that every time someone that that black that is black die, uh, the so-called American Negro, we automatically say the government did it. You know, like there are not actual people that live here. Their families are here. We don't take into account that these people are human beings. You know, we immediately say the government killed him and the government did this and this guy was working with the government and he was an agent and it's not fair to the family because think about Lauren London think about you know Nipsey's mother his father all the people that love him like think about all of these people you know his children you know his children uh, they have to read social media they have to see this stuff too you know and to grow up looking at the internet and you got all these people talking about your father, you got all these people talking about your husband, your son, and all they're saying is the government did it. You know, I'm not gonna call any names, but as soon as it was over, I'm seeing people with these platforms and they've made these platforms off, off of attacking the government and they are in the middle of it talking about you know, five shots to the body, one to the head, all this nonsense. This is a military tactic, blah, blah, blah. And when you look at the video, that was not military tactic. You know, and it's not fair to the family because why are you doing this? Why are you taking your platform using Nipsey to grow off of? You know, and the whole time I'm looking and I'm just like, why? You know, and then the video comes out and nothing about that showed military tactics. Nothing. I saw a coward. Nothing about that showed anything military. Um, the details behind everything, I won't go in detail about because I was not there. I'm not about to sit up here. I'm not about to sit up here and fake like I know what happened. I'm not going to sit up here and fake like every street is the same Every hood is the same. Every situation is the same. We don't know what happened. Point blank, period. Nobody knows what happened. But the people that were there. Nobody knows. Nobody knows why that guy did what he did. Doesn't make it right or wrong because it's totally wrong because I'm deeply saddened, upset, hurt. And it's been bothering me ever since that, you know, they took that brother from us. But we don't know what happened. Now, granted, we can say it looked like a setup because in my, you know, in my experience, you know, growing up and then uh, even moving to the church. When I was in the church, um, they taught us military protocols. And so no one could get close to the bishop. No one when I spoke, when I preached, when I did whatever I needed to do, no one could just walk up to me. And I was in church. You know, someone will reach out to shake their hand, shake my hand, and uh, the deacons will come and, you know, they will shake their hands first, rub their hands up the sleeve. 
No one could walk up to you. And that's, you know, this is a street thing too. No one can walk up to you with their hands in your pocket. You're not talking to me with your hands in your pocket and you, your energy is up. You know, you irate right now. Get your hands out your pocket. You know, all these little things that we can look into and say whatever we want to say about whatever we want to say, um, you know, not shooting back. Same situation with the Tupac situation. They were told to leave their guns is what they said. There's so many he says, she say, all of this say. Only people that know what really happened is Tupac, the person that shot him, Suge, God, that's it. Everybody else that is saying whatever they got to say about the Tupac situation are speculating. Everybody that was not in there in that situation with Nipsey Hussle, with the people that, the other two people that got shot, or anybody else that was around at the time, they are speculating. You were not there. Only people that really, really know what happened is Nipsey Hussle and the shooter. Now, he t- he posted a tweet right before that, and, and I guess this was what probably really uh, bothered me because he said something like, uh, it's a blessing to have strong enemies. And so when I read that, uh, I thought this was right after he got shot because I thought he survived. I thought he got shot because the reports first came out said he got shot. And, um, man, it's tough. The first reports came out said he got shot. And um, I, I saw the tweet, and so I was like, oh, yeah, he's good. He's going to pull through. And right after that, you know, they were like, he he transitioned. And, um, and that's, that's, you know, again, only he knows and the shooter knows. But everyone else that is speculating, it is not right. It's not right. It's not right for the family. You know, Afina Shakur dies when the Tupac movie is about to come out. We automatically said the government did it. They say she died of a heart attack. People started making all kind of scenarios to how she died of the heart attack. Maybe she did die of a heart attack. Again, no one knows but her God really her and God because if she really died of a heart attack they're the only two people that know you know and Nipsey Hussle let's let's stop sharing the video of what happened you know people are saying what about the video that's at the top of the thing up there true indeed but what we do know is that a black man killed Nipsey Hussle murdered him in cold blood a black man did it for whatever reasons A black man did it. A man that hates himself did it. Because you can only hurt somebody when you already hurting inside. You you don't even believe in yourself. You have no knowledge of yourself. It takes so much self-hate to hurt someone else. Whether it be with a gun, with your words, anything. A lot of times I find myself, and I, I had someone say this to me a while ago, Like, I don't care what anyone, especially if it's, and I tell people, if it's a female, I'm never going to badmouth another female. Because the trauma that we deal with in this life, what is the purpose of, what am I gaining from it? Have too much knowledge of self to go back and forth with someone or just anyone, let alone a female, and I'm not belittled, I'm just saying I have too much knowledge of self to put myself in a situation to hurt someone else that is already hurting. If they're talking bad about me, they're already hurting. 
anyone that talks bad about you are hurting. They are in pain. And to take the thing that God created, the, the woman, to take the thing that God created and belittle it because of the pain that she had felt throughout her life based on things that we probably have done. I won't be a part of that. And then when we look at Nipsey, Nipsey Hussle's situation, he was murdered by a man who is deeply hurt mentally, spiritually, physically. Again, no sympathy for him. My point is, self-hate is real. Now, me personally, and I'm going to speak on my own self right now. The dudes that I rock with, the dudes that I love, I would want them to fire back. But if you have no guns, you can't fire back. Tupac situation. They said they would have fired back. They ain't have no guns. Can't fire back. There were some other people that said they fired back. They ain't hit nothing. Again, speculation. We don't know what happened. What we do know is that Nipsey Hussle is not here right now. And what we have to do is take what he left us, the energy, the spirit, the vibes, the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding, and apply it. It's time for you to open up your business now. It's time for you to go buy up the block. It's time for you to do those things. It's time for you to inspire the youth. It's time for you to take all the knowledge and the things that you have been suppressing on the inside of you and elevate it. Little do we know, Victory Lap was probably a, a prophecy. We don't know these things. It was probably a prophecy unfolding before our eyes that we did not even know about. And now his spirit is running the marathon. We don't know that. It doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't stop you from hurting. Ever since then, I, I have been thinking about my very own mortality. I've been thinking about what if someone sees me and say, I hate what he's doing because the ironic part, me and my brother, we've been talking about fake love. All these people, once you get up there reaching out, saying how they were down with you, how they rock with you, and this, this, and that. But before that, they never knew you. Or they knew you but didn't want to rock with you. But they want that shine, and because you're not going to give them that shine, they envy you. They envy the very thing that you are doing to help other people. And ever since that day, I've been thinking about my mortality. I've been thinking about someone taking me from my child, from my family, from this earth. I've been thinking about that. And it bothers me every day. Now, granted, again, I was probably 10, 11 years old when Tupac died, so it didn't hit me the same. And I couldn't figure out, and granted, I love Nipsey's music, I've been following Nipsey, you know, his, his, his business acronym. I, I love it. But I didn't expect for it to affect me the way that it has. So many people pass away. I see it all the time. But this one really has hit me. It, it has hit me tough because I don't want to leave here because someone is envious of what I'm doing in the community for what I'm doing with the kids that I work with, with what I'm doing, what I'm going to do in the place that I grew up at. And that's what happens. 
at the end of the day, again, Nipsey said it's a marathon. So long live Nip. Long live Nipsey Hustle. He owns all his masters. I would urge each and every one of you to go ahead and uh, purchase his albums. Purchase that victory lap. Support his children. Push the agenda of the marathon. You can do anything that you want to do. Take that. Take that from him. Take that from him. I'm not going to elaborate on anymore about what happened in the circumstances surrounding his transition because all of that going to take care of itself. What What is here now and what we do know is that he's not here. And so what we have to do to keep his memory alive is take all those principles, all those tools, and whether you just got on Nipsey Hustle, when you found out what happened, take everything that he put out in this universe, in this atmosphere, on this earth, everything, take it and apply it to your life and change your life. Change your mindset. Change how you live. Change how you eat. He was talking about Dr. CV. Change how you eat. Let me drop something on you. I tried to retire a couple years ago. Uh, probably like 2015, I tried to retire. 14, I don't even remember. And I'm going to drop this on you guys. And I, I said I wasn't going to say anything until I got my book, but until uh, I wrote this next book. But I want to give this to you guys. He was dropping that Dr. Sebi uh, documentary. Pay attention to the jewels. In 2014, 15, I think it was 15, I tried to initially retire. I played around 240 pounds. After that, I was like, I never got a chance to eat whatever I want, do whatever I want, live how I wanted to, because I've been so stuck in my professional career and I got the chance to do so and I got diagnosed with diabetes. And of course it hurt me because I was like, man, I ain't never been sick. I've never had any issues. I never had a problem with anything with my body. And I began studying Dr. Sebi and the, and the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, how to eat to live. I began studying those principles. I've been diabetes free since. There's no trace of it in my blood. Even after the doctor, who name was Muhammad, told me that I would never get rid of it. I don't, I'm on, I'm not on anything. I can eat whatever I want. I do whatever I want, how I want, when I want, because I had to go back to living consciously. Because when I retired, I stopped living consciously. And I had to go back to live consciously. So don't take and pay attention to what happened. Pay attention to what he did and what he was trying to do is educate you on Dr. CB. He was trying to teach you how to eat to live. Take those principles. Take what he was about to give you. Go study Dr. CB. Learn how to eat to live so that you can live a long life, a long prosperous life. I don't like to say rest in peace because he should have been resting while he's alive. But I do believe that wherever he is, that there's peace within here, that he's living and moving in peace. He's operating in peace. And everything that he left here amongst us is never going to stop the pain. The pain is never going to stop. It's never, ever going to stop. Because if you truly felt his energy, if you truly felt his spirit, if you truly felt it, then it's going to be with you. It's going to be with you. Anyone that's ever lost anyone, you know that it's going to be with you. 
believe in what he did, move according to what he did. And all those that are affected by his pain, by his transition and having pain through his transition, I pray that the peace of Allah be with you. Lower London, the children, I pray that Allah covers you with all amounts of peace. And that though the load would never leave you, it would never disappear. But I do feel and I pray that you find peace to help you get through each and every day. We lost a soldier, we lost a leader, we lost a visionary, we lost an innovator. But he gave us a lot. He gave us a whole lot. And what we have to do is take what he has given us and make sure that he still lives on. Don't let his memory die. Don't just say RIP Nipsey Hussle and let it be. Let's continue to raise him up, elevate him, and take him to the next level because he's transitioned to higher heights. And so let's take what he has given us and take that to an even higher height in his name in his name man this is a tough one we should be able to live until we're old it's a really tough one everyone be safe everyone be at peace Assalamu alaikum.